You're listening to Sermons at High Peak. You know, there has been, over the last uh, several weeks, a pretty big debate in our country. What's an essential business or an essential worker? And as we think about that, you know, mom and pop stores were often deemed unessential, and yet big box stores were counted as essential, and people were upset about that. Uh, we go to some places and, you know, there are, are tobacco and alcohol and vape stores and they're open, uh, but churches were closed to public and in-person worship services. I want you to know something. A lot of governments said that the church was unessential or not essential. But you know, a lot of Christians said the church was essential. And it got very controversial, didn't it? Lots of people debated. There were lawsuits. We're here today because of a lawsuit. But you know something? That's not what I want to talk about today. You say, well, why did you bring it up? <laughs> well, because I want to think about the idea of the church being essential from a different perspective. I want you to know this, that the government cannot tell Christians whether the church is essential. Understand that right. I'm not talking about whether we can meet in person and have services together. That's not what I'm talking about. But the government cannot determine whether we as a church are essential. Only God can. And he did. And he does. Let's pray. Father, I want to uh, ask you if you would please speak to us. Encourage us, strengthen us, but challenge us today through your word. Help us to see and understand your will for your church in your world today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here's my question. And here's the attitude I want us to think about. Not whether we can meet in public, whether it's allowed or legal or whether it's our constitutional right. That's all another question. We're not going to have legal debates. We're going to have spiritual discussion. My question to you is this. Is church essential to you? Is church essential to you? In the passage we're going to look at this morning, it's Hebrews chapter 10. If you go ahead and turn there, it's a very well-known passage about church attendance, but I want us to look at the greater context of it. In this passage, there are a couple of phrases that are repeated. Since we have, it gets repeated twice in this passage. Since we have, the author is making two statements of finding to this question of whether the church is essential. Since we have, in Hebrews chapter 10, as I said, and we'll begin in verse 19. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, Hebrews 10, 19. And look at this, the since we have statement. Beginning in verse 19 and read 19 and 20, it says, therefore, and of course when you see the therefore, what do you have to ask? What's it there for? And understand this, that he is actually sort of like uh, we, we've been studying Romans in our Sunday school lesson, if you've been watching Sunday school on Wednesday nights, you know that, that in Romans 12, which we did a little over a week ago, that talked about, therefore, I beseech you, brothers, 
He said the therefore pointed back all the way back to the beginning of the book of Romans. This passage is similar. The therefore in Romans 10, 19 refers back all the way back to Hebrews chapter 4 up to this point. It's talking about that whole section. He says, therefore. So what's it there for? He's saying that since we have Jesus as our high priest, he has come and made the great sacrifice for all of us. And because of that, we have salvation. Therefore, brothers and sisters, and here's the first one, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Now this morning, I'm going to begin a three-week series on this passage and the verses to follow it. Since we have boldness, verse 19 says. What is this first piece of evidence to say that the church is essential in a Christian's life? It says, since we have boldness. He's really talking about permission or authority. We have confidence or we have boldness. He's saying, since you've been given the permission to enter into the sanctuary of God. You know, it's like a lot of us have been sort of desperately looking forward to the day that we can go out to eat. How many of you have been out to eat before, since Friday night? A few of you maybe already have, and it was exciting. You look forward to it. Maybe if you're like me, you know, you enjoy doing that and you missed it. And you go up to the restaurant doors lately and, and you see these signs. And the signs say, open for takeout. That's all you've seen for the last couple of months, it seems. And you ask yourself, well, are they going to come out and take my order or do I go in and give them my order? And it's been a little confusing. A couple of places I've sat there and wondered. So I just, well, let me look it up on my phone and call and find out. See, I didn't have permission. I didn't know if I had the right to go inside. And it was confusing. But I want you to know, you and I have no confusion whatsoever since we have the permission, the authority. We have the opportunity. Therefore, we should boldly enter the throne room of God. Now he's talking about spiritually now, but one day it's going to be physical as we are physically resurrected into a new body in the kingdom of heaven. And I look forward to that day. But for now, a lot of people come to the door of God and it says family only or authorized personnel only. But you and I as believers, we've been authorized. And so we have boldness. And so we can go in. In where? to the sanctuary. Now we call this room the sanctuary, but that's a misnomer. This room is no more the sanctuary than my bathroom is our sanctuary. You say, well, would you bring up your bathroom? Well, it's kind of the most gross place you can think of. What's a bathroom? It's not pleasant. You know, no one would gather in my bathroom and gather for a meeting, right? You wouldn't do that. Now, it's okay for us to meet here. It's nice and clean. We made certain our cleaning folks came through here and disinfected. It's wonderful. You don't have to worry about it. But this isn't the sanctuary. You and I are the body of Christ. We are the sanctuary of Christ. But one day we're going to be able to go into the heavenly sanctuary. But until then, we spiritually go before him and we gather together before him in worship. Since we have. And he talks about that. He says uh, that we have this sanctuary and the key to the sanctuary is the blood of Christ. That's what opens the door. If you come in our building before it's been unlocked, you need a key to get in. If you go over to someone's house, you need a key. 
Some people's car, they've got that little button and that's your key. The thing that opens the door to the sanctuary is the blood of Christ and you can't go in unless you've been sprinkled and covered by the blood of Christ. So what does all that mean? Well, he says this, he says, since we have boldness, we can go in. But he's got another phrase here. He says in verse 21, the second phrase, he says, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Since we have a great high priest. The high priest, the great high priest, of course, is Jesus Christ. The whole book of Hebrews is really about that. How Jesus is our high priest. He's the one who gives you that authority. He's the one who gives you that key to enter. When you trust in him and ask forgiveness, you have salvation. That comes through Christ. Who is he? He's our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. And if he's our high priest, then what does that make us? Well, the relationship between the priests and the other people is there were priests. And then there was the high priest. There was one high priest at a time. And that high priest would be the authority over the other priests. And so an ordinary Hebrew person would come and they'd bring their offering, a sacrifice of some kind. They'd bring it to the temple. They would bring it to a priest and a priest would prepare it and bring it in. And they would offer it in a, a special room called the sanctuary or the holy place. And there was an altar in there and they would offer the offering on the altar. And then that would justify you of all your sins. Your sins would be cleansed and removed from you. Now for a priest to go into that place, he had to be baptized. He had to go through a ceremonial bathing and cleansing. But I want you to know this. If Jesus is the high priest, that makes us who are believers the regular priests. We have that partnership with Christ. And our goal is to try to recruit as many priests as possible to join the order. Did you know you're a priest? You walk around and you see priests. Often we think of priests, you know, popular culture has a priest as a collar. You know, the black thing and then in the middle it's white. I always thought when I was a kid, I always thought that white collar was like a white version of Charlie Chaplin's mustache. I mean, I did. I, I made that association. Then I'd see pictures of Hitler, you know, and it's like, that's weird. It's why is it so short like that? I didn't understand what all that meant. And, you know, it is sort of weird and strange, but it's a very identifiable thing. But while other denominations call their pastors priests, we as Protestants call every one of you a priest. We are all a royal priesthood, Peter says. And so we have the opportunity. We can go in. Now, <clears throat> the only reason we can go in is because we've been brought in to the organization through the person of Jesus Christ. Some of you, if you might maybe uh, you know, know somebody who needs a job and you tell them to go hire. You know, Barb and I were thinking about this yesterday. We've been thinking a lot about restaurants, I guess. And one restaurant that doesn't seem to have lost anything is Chick-fil-A. Have you noticed every time you drive by there, there's cars almost all the way out onto the road. And during mealtimes, there's like a traffic jam just to get into that place. Over there, across from the college in Morganton, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen it. I mean, it's a zoo, like crazy to get in there. I mean, that Christian chicken tastes awfully good and people can't stop eating it. And so you got to get in there. But you know what? You can't go inside until recently unless you were an employee. And we as believers are able to enter because we've been hired. And who hired us? Jesus, the high priest, made it possible. 
We're not really hirelings. This is just an analogy. We are instead co-laborers. We are joined partners with Christ trying to share the message. He's our high priest and we've been adopted actually into the family of God. So that first phrase, since we have boldness, opportunity, authority, we can enter. Since we have a high priest, it's made it possible for us to go in. And he says, since we've had these two things, then in verses 22 through 25, and this is going to be the three parts to our message over the next three weeks. Since we have both of these things, he says, let us do three things. And the first one is in verse 22. Let me read verses 22 through 25 for you. And look at those phrases, let us. Let us essentially has the the effect of being a command. It's not in the the command tense in the original language, but it is a command because it has that effect. There's a grammatical thing. I won't get into a Greek lesson for you, but there's a grammatical thing that I learned about and studied that says this has the effect or it's the, the power of a command. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Verse 23, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since we who promised, we, he, since he who promised is faithful. And then the third one in verse 24, and let us watch out for one another to provoke Love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see those three parts? These three parts of being an essential church. He says, let us, and the first one is this week and then the next one will be the next two weeks. Let us, in verse 22, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of the faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. In this, we're going to see a couple of things. Let us do. Number one, let us come together with sincerity. When we come together, we should come together with a true heart that essentially is saying, come together with sincerity. Has anybody ever apologized to you? And after they apologized, you felt like, yeah, they didn't mean that. (laughs) That was fake. I didn't believe that apology for a minute. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, They say they're sorry, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry that I did this thing that I did to you. And yet in your mind, you're translating it like this. Oh, I'm sorry that I got caught doing that thing that I did to you. I'm sorry that you're not as smart and intelligent as I am. And you think that's a bad thing. But since you feel bad, I'm going to tell you I'm sorry because I want you to feel better about me because it's important to me that you like me, even though I did this bad thing to you. But I don't think it's that bad after all. Have you ever had that experience? (laughs) The problem is a lot of us go to God in a similar way. Recently, this hit one of our late night comedians and, you know, I've kind of turned off all of those. I don't really watch any of them anymore, but I heard about this one more on the news than I did on the comedies, comedies, uh, the comedians TV show. And, you know, Mike Pence, uh, our vice president, was doing a photo op and he was carrying some medical supplies into a medical uh, facility in Virginia near the White House. And as he was carrying boxes in for a little while, and then at the end, for a photo op, he joked and said, well, I can carry the empty ones, you know, just for the camera. <laughs> and, you know, it was supposed to be a joke. 
Probably wasn't that funny, but you know, it was all in good taste, all in good humor. But this comedian got on TV and said, oh, well, you know, he's, and made all these jokes about it because he thought he wasn't carrying anything. He thought he wasn't doing any real work. Well, when it turns out, the video came out that he actually really was helping out. He really was carrying medical supplies. The comedian had to get on TV and apologize because he said something that was dishonest. No, it was a mistake. I get it. He doesn't like the vice president. A lot of people don't. Whatever. No big deal. The problem I had, though, was with the apology. It was so insincere. And he took that chance to apologize and then take another shot at the administration. My point isn't that people shouldn't criticize the administration. I don't think there's anything wrong with having healthy uh, people looking at the administration of whatever the president is, whatever party he is, and thinking critically about what they're doing. My problem is when you apologize, it needs to be sincere, right? And yet you, as I, you and I as Christians often gather together in worship and we are very insincere in our gathering. We don't come, as he says in this, with a true heart, a sincere heart. We're just going through the motions, and it's become habit. Here's what my fear is. Now listen, I know, and I don't want anyone to think that if you're sitting at home watching this, that I think that you're doing what I'm about to say. Because I know many people are nervous, and, and, and they're justifiably so. They've got illnesses that makes it difficult for them to be out when there's the potential of a dangerous virus to get them. We're doing our very best to keep you safe and secure and make you feel comfortable. You know, you come in this door, walk down this aisle, go that way, and walk out that aisle. We want to keep that counterclockwise flow. We made sure everything was cleansed. We're propping all the doors open so that you can just walk on through and not have to grab handles. We're doing everything we can. Some of you are staying home, and that's fine for a while. Here's my fear. A lot of Christians who don't find church to be all that essential are one day, when this is now safe and there is no fear of a virus, they're going to use the excuse saying, well, I got used to staying at home. I'll just keep on doing it because it's really not that important to me. How do I know that that's a possibility? Well, you know, we've been doing this, like I said earlier in our service, for a long time. And I know that we've got people who don't come to church very often and they watch it online even before there was any fear over a pandemic. Church is essential. Gathering is commanded. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But church is essential. And so when it is safe, if you say, well, I'm just going to stay home because, you know, it's not that big a deal and I got used to this and I was comfortable with it. And yeah, there's no fear of a virus, but, you know, I really like going to church in my underwear, you know, or my pajamas or whatever. Then there's a problem. Because we have to come to Christ with a sincere heart. And that includes being with fellow believers. Now, right now, you're being with fellow believers online, and that's okay. And so, again, I'm being very careful to say I don't want you to feel judged right now. But all of us, whether you're here or watching at home, we come before the Lord with a sincere heart. We also draw near, not only with a true heart, but in full assurance of faith. How many of you are familiar with the, uh, the group Hillsong United? It comes from the church. You know, they started in Australia. And they've got, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a church that, that they've got outposts all over the place. Well, they're, 
lead pastor, his name is Carl Lentz. He's a controversial guy. I'm not going to talk too much about him and some people don't like him, some people do. But I read an article about him this week that I did like. He was being interviewed of all places in GQ. I bet GQ doesn't interview very many pastors. <laughs> but because of the popularity of this church, they interviewed him and the writer, her name was Taffy Broadusarachner, and I don't know how in the world you come up with that name or even say it. I hope I did it justice and did it right. But she interviewed him for the piece and for the piece she spent weeks. She actually went to their church over a number of weeks. She spent time talking with him and interviewing him. And she came away with something that she said really surprised her. She said she really liked him because, and I quote, he is so worried for my soul. And this should annoy me, but instead it touches me. Because maybe I'm worried about my soul too. And Carl wants so badly for me to enjoy heaven with him. How can I fault someone who's more sincere about this one thing than I have ever been about anything in my life? For all this controversy, I like that a non-believer reacts to Carl Lentz that way. And I wish that non-believers reacted to me and my witness in the same way. He was so concerned for her soul. That's the way we as Christians should be. And all of that comes from something that we have a sincere heart and an assurance of faith. An assurance of faith. The effect of drawing near to God does that. It infects us with a love for all people, not just the people that are lovable like our family or our friends or our church family, our neighbors that we like. No, it infects us with a love even for people that are hard to love. Because you know what? Sometimes I'm hard to love. And I'm thankful that God has given the Holy Spirit to you so that sometimes you can love me even if I don't always behave the way I should. Too many Christians are mean-spirited, non-forgiving. They have not been infected by this true heart and sincere assurance of their faith. But the church is essential when we have the Holy Spirit in us, pouring out from us through the fruit that he gives us, that love and that joy and all of the other things in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We are more forgiving. We are more giving. We are more charitable. We care more for the people around us. We want what's best for our communities, for our schools, for our families, for our neighbors, for our country when we know that we are the essential church. Verse 22 again. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And listen to this. Here's the new part we haven't discussed yet. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. See, the first half of this draw near was the part about the sincere faith and the assurance of faith. But the second part is that we come together with a clear conscience. How many of you come to church with a clear conscience? And when I say come to church, I mean gathering to worship as the church or gathering online as the church to watch it live. See, the second half of this, there's two key phrases in it. Hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed in pure water. Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews is a very Jewish book. 
And that's because there's so much imagery from the Old Testament practices of worship in it. But here's what he says. Our goodness depends on God's grace, not on our ability to obey. And so we need that heart sprinkled clean. And we need that evil conscience replaced with a clear conscience. We need our bodies, that means your entire being, not just your physical body. We need it washed and cleansed. And as the old hymn says, we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. See, the goodness that we have before God allows us to draw near. You realize if you don't have Christ in your life, if you've not been cleansed of your sins, you can't even be in the presence of God. It would destroy you. It would kill you. The very minute you walked in the room, You'd be like that old Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. Remember when they opened up the Ark of the Covenant at the end and the one guy, his whole face just melted. Now that was just kind of a cool movie trick. And I don't know if your whole face will melt, but I know this, being in the presence of God is not possible for an unforgiven person. But once you have, you go boldly with assurance of your faith, with a true heart, Knowing that you have confidence. Why? Because you have been sprinkled by the blood and you've been cleansed by his grace. See, we try to clean things. We make them as clean as we can. (laughs) I haven't thought about cleaning stuff as much as I have in the last two months in my entire 50 years before this. I honestly haven't. But you know, you think a lot about it and you go and Go by people and you sort of get away from them, you know. I've not really been ever really that scared of the virus and yet I still walk far away from people when they get close. Have, it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. It's kind of changed the way we think. I had someone come up to me this week and put his hand out there and just by reaction I shook it. But my first thought was, ooh, I wonder if he sanitized those hands before. So I quickly did. That's just kind of weird. I've never thought about this stuff. But, you know, a lot of people in this world live their lives that way all the time. And I'm not talking about physical cooties. (laughs) I'm talking about sin and not being cleansed. We need constant cleansing. And that comes from the goodness of God's grace and him cleansing us. When he says that you've been sprinkled with the blood, what's he talking about there? Well, I told you earlier about the priest. He would make the sacrifice and he'd come in. And what they would do is they would take the blood from the lamb and they literally would put it on something that they would then sprinkle all over the altar before they would even make it their sacrifice. And that was a symbol of God's cleansing and making that holy. The priest himself, before he went into the holy place, he'd be sprinkled, blood splattered all over him. Now that must have been a gory, gruesome sight to see. Blood all over him. That was very (laughs) R-rated. The kids probably didn't feel too comfortable, but I don't think they even hid it from the the, the ones that that saw it if they did. Well, actually, kids couldn't be in the temple yet. They weren't old enough. But, but you know, the, the idea here, it's a gory, gruesome sight. But that's because the blood was necessary for there to be cleansing. Thankfully, Jesus died, and all of us had the blood of Christ cleanse us. And then, as a part of that ceremony, preparing the priest to go in, they also would wash, they'd bathe. They had a pool right near the temple that they would go in and they would bathe themselves and they would clean themselves like a doctor before a, a surgery. They'd be very careful to do all of that. And the idea here is that you and I have been cleansed, we've been washed 
The blood has cleansed us because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And we've been cleansed, made holy and pure because of a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we symbolically do this as Christians. How do we do it? We have the Lord's Supper where we partake of the blood of Christ. But before you can do that, you have to be baptized in a pool of water where you're fully immersed in it in order for you to be fully cleansed. And that allows us to then draw near. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The church is essential, but the only way that we can have the impact that God intends for us to have is if we are cleansed. And if we are cleansed, we can go boldly together, gathering together before the throne of, gra of grace. And one of the hard things about my college years and one of the things I was very happy to put behind me after I got married <laughs> was roommates. Barb's a pretty good roommate. Yeah, much better one than I am. You know, I had some good roommates and I had some bad roommates. Probably the best roommate I ever had, I had for the shortest amount of time, is when I joined the fraternity I was in. I only had that roommate for four months, but he was clean, he was quiet, and he was a pre-med student, so he was never in the room. I felt like I had a private room, except at night when we slept. And he was quiet, he didn't complain about my snoring, and he didn't snore. It was great. I wish I could have had Mike uh, as a roommate my whole year at college, but he was three years ahead of me, so that didn't work out. My last roommate before I got married was my worst. And one of the problems that we had is we would uh, eat, and, and you know, my job was such that I never ate at home except maybe breakfast. And even then, not very often. But he ate at home all the time. And as I came in the back door of our apartment, he would leave the dishes that he had used out on the counter or in the sink, and they would go for days, and he would never wash them. And, you know, I jokingly say I'd walk in the back door, and if no one was home, I still got a greeting from the dishes because they were beginning to come alive. Some of them would, like, walk away, and it was just the nastiest thing. And I remember one time I invited Barb over, and she was going to cook, and uh, I was excited, you know, because she could cook a lot better than anybody else that I could get any food from. And so we were looking forward to it. But we walked in the door and the smell knocked us down. And after we got back up, you know, the dishes, we had to sort of wrestle them to keep them still. And then she ended up washing and I dried and we got them cleaned. And it was just such a miserable thing. But you know what? I pledged that on that day, that in that moment, I would never let that happen again. And Barb's down here laughing because <laughs> she knows that I've left dishes in the, in the sink. The problem is you and I made a pledge once, didn't we? Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me of all my unrighteousness. And I promise as best I know how from this point forward, I will do my best to obey you, to follow you, to let you be my example of how to love one another, how to care for one another. And yet we've broken that pledge, but it's time to be cleansed anew. And the reason gathering as a church, I believe is essential for every Christian is it reminds us no matter where we are in our walk with Christ, you come together and he reminds you through the singing of the songs, the reading of scripture and the preaching of the word that it's time to be cleansed again. 
to be made new so that when you go out into the world, people will say, you are so infectious the way you live your life. But it's not a disease I'm afraid of getting. It's a joy and a love that compels me to that Jesus that you love. Let's pray. Father, we come before you knowing that you love us more than any one of us can love each other. And we know that because you proved it by sending your son to die for our sins. And so Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to do our very best to be a positive role model to this world as the church, to be the essential church that you made us to be, to go out into this world and compel them to come in by our actions and also by our words, by the goodness that you have put in us through your Holy Spirit, not by the sins that we keep putting in because of our failure to obey. And Lord, I pray that going forward, the people that we come in contact with will so love the Jesus they see in us that they'll want to come to you. So Lord, use us. Help us to be this essential church and help us, Father, to love one another, to help each other fulfill that purpose in our lives. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. You know, at this time, we're gonna sing a hymn of invitation. And I know invitations are gonna be different for a while. And I wanna ask you a question. If you feel like God has spoken to you today, number one, while we're singing, you just pray. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a, a saved person, I've been forgiven, I've given my life to Jesus Christ, but I need to be cleansed again. You know, and maybe you just wanna come all by yourself, come down this aisle and kneel here at the altar, go back up that aisle and have a seat. If you're over on this side, just go around. But. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about that. And if that's true, I'm going to be here down front after the service is over and you come and see me and we'll go back and we'll talk. We'll stay separate, six feet apart, but I'll talk and, or you'll talk and I'll listen and I'll pray with you. But maybe Jesus Christ is touching you that today is the first time that you've ever sincerely heard and understood that Jesus loves you and he wants to forgive you and change you. I'd like to talk with you more about that. Will you get me after the service is over? Come and speak to me. Or maybe, you know, you can go home and give me a call later on. You can find my phone number in the bulletin. You can use my email address and send me an email and we can talk that way. Just go to author or pastor at highpeakchurch.com and I'd love to speak with you more about that. If God's moving in your heart, don't, don't delay. Don't let anything stop you from letting him have his way in your heart. Thank you so much for listening to our sermons from High Peak. I'm Dr. Kevin Purcell, the pastor of High Peak Baptist Church. And if God has really spoken to you through this message, please get in touch with me. You can go over to highpeakchurch.com and look for a way to contact us. Or if you want, you can come directly to me at pastor at highpeakchurch.com. We're also on Facebook, searching for High Peak Church. We'd love to see you. We have our services every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Sunday evening at 6 p.m. in our fellowship hall, and then also midweek service on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Please come and join us. We've got classes for all ages. God bless you, and thanks for listening.